And folks, we are back at the screen, the screener podcast yet again. Great to have you here. Mike Randall, Gus Kearns. Gus is back. Gus, good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, Mike Randall, thanks for holding down the fort last week. So glad to hear about Phi Slamma Jam. Yeah, I'm sorry. Gus, I'm sorry. I was. I just got overwhelmed. I became verklempt. I, I had to come down and talk about it. It was just, you know, like I said, you come home. I saw it on TV. I mean, the 30 for 30s are great, right? Very much so. It, I, I feel like you had a similar feeling when we all saw Requiem for the Big East. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't stop watching. I've watched it three times. I, I mean, my family is going to kick me out. I, <laughs> if I see that Drexler dunk over the Memphis State guy again, um, but, and by the way, the NC State player also in that game, and the game... He held his legs, okay? So that was a charge for Drexel's fourth foul in that NC State uh, loss. Cor- correct. Possibly the nastiest charge of all time. <laughs> Seriously. Like, oh my goodness. But, uh, but folks, yeah, so we had an opportunity uh, to talk to Chip Reeves. Uh, so what we're going to do in a little bit is we'll play that interview for you. But thank you. I, I, I guess I, I almost lost my mind. I could have went on for two hours. People wouldn't want to listen to that. But uh, I would have listened, and I think the college basketball community would have listened out there. Uh, we just want to thank – big shout-out to Chip Reed. Thank you for giving us some time and uh, giving us some insight on uh, how the process works uh, and also how you decided to make decisions on what to include and disclude from the excellent production of Fly Slime and Jam. It was through the roof great. And, and thank you to Chip and ESPN for, for lending us the intro. I, I kind of just wanted to go with Eric Davis saying, we use the dunk to intimidate, we use the dunk to humiliate, over and over again. But I thought better of that. How, how, how great is that as a quote? I mean, you, you can't get any better, and you can't get any more descriptive of Fly Slime Jamma than that quote. And Guy, and Guy V. Lewis, again, I need V as a middle name, uh, saying, get up and dunk the ball if you can dunk the ball. It's really that simple, isn't it? Uh, and, and he just preached, take it to the basket. There was no other real there, – there, there was no like we're going to try to shoot 33s. There was no we're going to run a, 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 you know, a, a complicated pick and roll. We we are going to take it to the hole hard. We're going to get fouled. We're hoping to get an N one, and we're hoping to humiliate you in the process. And that's what Chip talked about today. He, you know, we we you'll hear it in a couple minutes, folks. But he talked about how, you know, the the Houston team pretty much changed the way basketball was played. So true. You brought this up last week, Mike Randall, and we all kind of point to Fab Five, Michigan, Jalen, Chris Webber, Ray Jackson, that crew of uh, Juwan Howard, um, uh, Ray King, of, of, of those guys setting the trend, maybe fashion-wise, style-wise, uh, 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 play-wise, but really Fly Slam and Jamma set the precedent so high, and it was before, it was pre-baggy shorts. It was pre-shaved heads. It was pre-goatees. It was pre-wristbands. It was pre-anything that you can associate with any sort of movement, all they did was play hard and dunk. Yeah, and the story was riveting. Whether it was Rob Williams, by the way, with just Rob on the, just back, Rob. On the back of his jersey. One of the best jerseys of all time. Having a, a third-team All-American year on fire in the tournament, 21 points per game, and then just not hitting the broadside of a barn 
It, hap- it happens all the time. We talk about it how 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 big the big teams run into the upset. We talk about how shooting in the big arenas is really tough for those shooters. That's it. It happens all the time, and and unfortunately it happened to Rob too. And then year two, uh, Elijah won. Drexler's now a sophomore. Uh, they take the next step. They beat Louisville in that incredible Final Four game. Logical progression for a team of that ilk. And, and they admitted it. And I, honestly, going back, if you put yourself in that mindset, so they play Worthy, Jordan, Big Smooth, Sam Perkins. Love Big Smooth. Uh, and then they come back the next year. The 1-2 game happens all the time, right? So people want to recede because you end up having the big matchup in the semifinals. Yeah, and what's wrong with that? Just enjoy that game. You don't need to recede it. Just enjoy that game. It's, so, it's a beautiful thing. So true, man. Yeah. So true. That's exactly right. And then they win that game. Doctors dunk. Danny Crumb. The whole thing. And then they play NC State. And oh, by the way, we had one of the greatest you know endings ever. Maybe not for Houston, but in terms of basketball or what? Correct. Um, the, the story was wrote it was written just beautifully for Five Slam and Jamma. Um, and I, I find the parallel here. I don't know if you found this parallel with the Georgetown team of Patrick Ewing. Like they made the three Final Fours. They had this like we always talk about the sustained sustained success in college basketball. But then. You know, they only got to the top of the mountain that one time, and for Five Slam and Jammer, they only got to that Final Four that one. You know, I find the parallels between those two teams unbelievably similar, and the only thing that separates it is that Georgetown actually got it that one time. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. And they and then they made it back, and that's the one that shocked me is they made it back that third year. Yeah, making it back very similar to the Georgetown. Drexler Drexler's gone. Mm-hmm. Elijah Wan's still there for one more year. Correct. Falls into the falls into the category yeah. of when the great player leaves, that team is still going to be very good. Drexler leaves, uh, all American talent, uh, first team all uh, second team all NBA guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and the same thing happens that we always say like that good player leaves and then boom, they're still really good. Michael Young's 18 points a game, Elijah Wan was 16 that last year. And it's just sad. It really was sad to see them lose. You know, you see them lose that third one because you go, you know, it's over. The dream is gone. Halak Hakim's leaving, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you felt like that was like their last hurrah. You felt like that was Guy V. Lewis's last, like, kind of major go around. Um, he was, again, he he had Drexler and Olajuwon first. I mean, th- th- those are two top 50 players of all time in the NBA on the same college team. Like, that, that, that's mind blowing. That, like I, I think if we go back and look at the rosters, I don't think that's happened ever. And and that, and again, how great a story is it? Uh, the baggage handler in the airport. A, a great story. <laughs> Elijah Wan says, "Which one of these four plane tickets has weather <laughs> similar to Nigeria?" And he ends up in Nigeria. And Davis goes to pick him up and is like, "Coach, he's bigger than six six. I can tell you that." And I think Olajuwon was one of those guys. I think like uh, uh, I think Garnett pulled this a little bit, where um, they listed they purposely listed themselves as under seven feet tall. Um, like Garnett is obviously over seven feet tall, but he always lists himself as six eleven. Yep. Um, I feel like uh, Kevin Willis might have done that. I think Olajuwon fell into that category. So like you know, <laughs> yeah, he's way bigger than six six. Yeah, it was it was great. Let, you know what? Let, we'll take everybody. We're gonna play. The interview right now with Chip Reeves. Oh, yeah. And there's some really cool insight here and some really interesting uh, tidbits about the 30 for 30 uh, five slam and jam here. Uh, and Mike Randall, tremendous job with the with the interview. Um, I hope everybody enjoys this listen. Yeah, take a listen, everybody. So here is Chip Reeves, director of five slam and Jamma, the 30 for 30. We had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. 
All right, everyone, we have Chip Reeves, the director of the Phi Slamma Jamma 30 for 30, joining us here today. Chip, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and joining us. How are you doing? How's it going, Mike? Thanks for having me. Uh, Chip, I got to give you the background. So, you know, we have a new college basketball podcast here. We love college basketball 24-7. And I felt compelled the other night after watching the debut of Phi Slamma Jamma to come down and just do a Randall rant because it was so incredible. Uh, just the best one that I've ever seen, and I've watched almost all of them because it's a great, great series. Can you just start by telling us how the idea of doing this came up and, and what was your motivation for wanting to tell the story of Fi Slamma Jamma? You know, my, vot- my motivation was very personal. Um, you know, I'm from Houston. I grew up with this story, and I just felt like this was a team had been overlooked for years. You know, no one really knew much about them. They knew about the Louisville game. They knew that they were favored going into the final against NC State. You know, hoop heads would say, yeah, you know, they had the three final four, certainly Clyde and the team. But there was so much more to this team and, 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 and so much depth to what they did and how they really changed the game of college basketball it was very important for me to give them a showcase. I'd been working with ESPN and ESPN Films for a long time. I've pitched in this story for years and years and years. And a few years ago, we did the film with uh, Brian Bosworth, Brian and the Boz. And so ESPN said, okay, I guess these guys know what they're doing. You know, we'll let them do this, this five slam and jamma film. It's probably just to get us to stop bugging them about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was you did it was a remarkable job because for hoop fans like myself and everyone who listens, we can watch the plays, the dunks. I mean, Drexler's dunk on on the, I think it was the Memphis State guy. That in and of itself is incredible, but your parallel with Benny Anders, how, how did you come up with that idea? Because really Anders sort of it really ties in closely to the rise of that team. How did you come up with that idea? Well, you know, I had about Benny forever. You know, Benny was one of these guys that was, you know, he was a very much a part of Five Slam and Jamma. If you were a Celtics fan, you know, he's Kevin McHale. He's Michael Cooper. If you're a Lakers fan, you know, Benny was a sixth man, but he was an integral part of the team. So, and he was cool. You know, Benny kind of personified what this team represented. He was like Flash. He was 80s. He could guy but he could dunk as well as anyone and so when he fell off the grid and went missing you know we knew about it but it wasn't until people started asking me about it you know big time luminaries Jim Nance and Billy Packer and Curry Kirkpatrick and Dick Vitale these guys that were like the godfathers of college basketball to me when they were asking me about Benny Anders, I knew it wasn't a local story. I knew it was bigger than something that we just kind of clung to as, you know, Cougar fans. And I felt like we had an obligation to figure out what happened to him. Uh, it was it, it was really remarkable. And, and for people who don't know, there definitely is, you know, this sort of East Coast, you've mentioned this before, West Coast bias. This team, you know, a lot of people around my age, they know the Michigan team, right? Maybe they, they, they remember Jordan a little bit. But this team, after the dunk was outlawed, brought basketball to a new level. Talk about what it was like in Houston 
with this team just going to Final Four after Final Four and doing it in a way that was almost frowned upon with the flash and the dunk, which is now a staple of the NBA and college basketball. Yeah, I mean, you know, Houston is kind of – University of Houston is kind of the stepchild to a lot of the bigger schools in Texas. You know, it doesn't have the cachet of University of Texas or of Texas A&M and – you know, didn't have the history of some of the other schools. And so it was very much, and to a large degree, it still is considered very much a city school, you know, very similar to like University of Miami. Um, and so when they started doing this and they started making Hoffine's Pavilion, you know, just outside of downtown Houston, a place to be, um, it, it, it was kind of transcendent. And, and the way that they did it, by doing things that we had literally never seen before, um, basketball fun. It was it was not this plotting four corners, you know, short, short, you know, very stoic and very rigid game. It was a fun game played by effervescent kids that were really, really enjoying themselves. Oh, and, and, and Guy, I love how you, we're talking to Chip Reeves, director of uh, Five Slam and Jam, a 30 for 30 on, on ESPN. Uh, Chip, and you, you know, you talked about Guy recruiting in Houston. You know, he went down there. It's like his personality matched the players. He got the players to come to Houston. The line about if you can dunk the darn ball, go up and dunk it. I mean, he really tapped into those players, right, in Houston and was able to keep them local. You know, one of the things that we didn't get a chance to dive into in the film is what happened to U of H after the fact. And it, it's unfortunate. We just don't have enough time. But but really, Guy's gift purse for University of Houston basketball, by going to these three Final Fours and by doing it largely with Houston kids, he exposed the rest of the world to his secret that there was a lot of top flight talent in Houston. And what happens after they go to these final fours is everybody starts recruiting Houston. And as soon as all the other coaches come in, they start pilfering all the talent. And it really led to the demise of Houston basketball. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on and on, but, but you look at the NBA now and there's tons of stars that are from Houston that never even considered going to U of H and had guys stayed around longer. Would that have been different? Probably. But, uh, you know, that's, that's really the key to the success of five slam and jamma was university. I mean, the, the key to the success of five slam and jamma was, you know, recruiting Houston. And it was a key to demise is, is losing these kids from Houston. Yeah, I can understand that. And, and folks, if you have not seen this, I've watched it three times already. Chip, I'm going to watch it again for sure. I mean, it's just it's a great preview to the season. It's such a tie-in to what we're doing right now. Uh, just a couple more, then I'll let you go. you got Eric Davis and Lyndon Rose to, to sort of narrate um, the story and, and go on this search for Benny Anders. How was that difficult to get them, or or was it difficult to find Benny, or was it something that you just saw happening and you knew if you got the right people, it could it could work? Well, it wasn't difficult to get them because they're great guys. Uh, it was beyond difficult to find him. Um, but you know, there's a bond you know that you have with 
you know, pick, pick your best high school friends, your college friends. You have a bond with people at a certain point in, in, in life. And this was the case with Five Slam and Jamma. The, these guys were tight. You know, they, they had a literal fraternity and a figurative fraternity. And Eric and Lyndon assumed a little responsibility. It was weird. Like, they, they felt like they could have done more to keep Benny in check. And when they were seniors, you know, he was a freshman. They were the captains. They were the leaders of that team in 1982. And so when I approached them about this idea, they didn't hesitate. And, and they cared about one thing and one thing only. And they cared about finding out if their boy was okay. That's all they wanted to know, is Benny okay? Um, and so when when you see them react and, and – you know, knowing what we had been through and, 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 and the miles that we had covered, we traversed the country literally looking for Benny. Um, to see that reaction from Benny, because we didn't know how Benny was going to react. I mean, we didn't know if we were ever going to find him or what he was going to look like. And, and, and to see that genuine love between these men who hadn't seen each other in 20 or 30 years um, – was one of the more gratifying things I've ever had professionally and in life. Oh, it's, it's so true. The bond of, of teammates, of friends, bonding over basketball, really well said. And, and you can see it there. You can see the bond. Drexler, Elijah Wan, the story about Elijah Wan, how he got to Houston was incredible. Um, Chip, thank you so much for a few moments, folks. If you have not seen this 30 for 30, Five Slam and Jamma, if you're not a basketball fan, you're going to love it. If you are a basketball fan, you're going to love it even more. Um, just an outstanding job, Chip. We thank you so much for joining us on the Screen the Screener podcast, and we look forward to your next venture because this one was, was one of the best ones that I've ever seen, and I really, really enjoyed it. And, and Hoop fans everywhere did as well. Thank you so much, Mike. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Chip. Thanks so much. Take care. Wow, great stuff. Can't can't thank Chip enough for that, huh? Just great, great information. It's a great documentary. Uh, and you can hear in his voice the passion that he held for this particular project, but also like this particular team and just college basketball overall. Um, you can hear that 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 really rings true in that interview. And yeah, you know, some of those little tidbits, like those are things you're going to want to go around and tell like your buddy, like on the weekend when you get to that, uh, you know. Uh, dinner party that you kind of don't want to go to but then you start hanging around with a, a couple of guys that know sports like you're gonna be able to drop that knowledge on them and they're gonna be totally blown away you know what they're gonna do they're gonna go back and watch that 30 for 30 you know what really struck me when talking to him was his sense of pride in the houston area absolutely that uh, totally rung true the whole thing I, I heard him interviewed once before he talked about you know east coast bias west coast bias california here we are in the middle um Guy V. Lewis is underrated. Say what you want about the, the, the championship game. Listen, whatever. He got the three final fours. He started recruiting. Three final fours. Consecutive. Three yeah. consecutive yeah. final fours. And he started recruiting in the area in Houston, and he allowed his players to play. It's what you heard in 30 for 30. We're going to allow you to be yourself. And there's something to be said for that. Built a great 
great job there. You heard Chip say it. He wishes he kind of had gone in a little bit more into the part about uh, Guy Lewis and what happened after. Yes, yes, the follow-up story with Guy B. Lewis. Which is a credit to him, to Guy Lewis that all of a sudden all these coaches, the Krzyzewskis of the world, now they're descending on Houston. Start to dive bomb his area. Yeah, right, and that's a compliment to him. So, Also, the other part that I took from this as well was the part that is sometimes lost in education or in coaching is part of this, part of being a great coach, part of being a great educator, part of being a great leader is it has to be part artistry. He allowed his student athletes to take that artistry and be artists on the court, and he was okay with that. He did not need to have them follow a super structured plan and say, we have to run this set in this situation with this much time left on the clock. He granted that artistry to his players, which showed the thing of beauty on the court with that team definitely rung true. And Guy Lewis, thank you for letting us view that as fans. Yeah, well done. Uh, Chip, uh, Chip, thank you so much for, for coming on with us and, and for – for producing that one. He also produced the Brian Bosworth one he mentioned to me. Love the boss. Uh, Go Seahawks. God, where's Tecmo Ball? I feel we should play it again. I mean, how great is that commercial with him and, and yeah, Bo Jackson when it. they get into the car together? Uh, it's, it's incredible. Take it to the house. Yeah, exactly. A, B button. Right. Okay, fine. All right. So, Gus, what we're going to do, uh, what everybody wants to hear is our top 10, right? Yeah, we're going to go top 10-ish. Uh, and we're going to finish off our preview, hopefully, and uh, try to educate you guys on the teams that we very much like uh, coming into the 2016-2017 uh, season. Um, we kind of started off uh, with our top 32, and we got through about uh, 20-ish teams, so we're about uh, we're about ready to find the finish line here. Yeah, we're, go- we're going to do the top 10, so l- let's start up. Where do you want to go? Uh, I totally want to go to Wisconsin. I love cheese, and I love Wisconsin. Down screen. Back screen, down now, screen. Now you say down screen, back screen, up screen, and like, and we all love Bo Ryan as a coach, and and, and running the swing offense uh, was a thing of beauty. And it worked really well for that type of athlete, the Kaminsky, the Decker, uh, the so on and so on. And they're going to have two or three NBA players on their roster coming back. Um, but I think what we really need to point out is we really need to point out what Coach Gar and really parallel that to what we just talked about with Guy V. Lewis, both of these coaches have allowed their student athletes to have a voice and have a say in what happens in their program. The first two players that we're going to talk about in the Wisconsin Badger program have this unbelievably profound platform, and they have used that platform to make a difference with things bigger than college basketball and bigger than just being a student athlete. Which is the move now, not just in, the, in college athletics, but in education. Now, the reason we love these guys is because they have used this platform as a Division I, scholarship-paid, college student-athlete to go ahead and further and better and broaden the knowledge on general topics that are troubling the public. The first place that we're going to go has to be Nigel Hayes. He is a must-listen, a must-follow, and he owes a lot of people a lot of donuts in Wisconsin. And he he gets it. You know, there's that phrase, do they get it? He's a great player. He seems like a great guy, and he gets the bigger picture where sports sometimes needs to become a voice for change. 
And if you were paying attention the last two weeks on uh, football college game day for ESPN, who was standing out there with the sign? It was Nigel Hayes. He was not doing anything that was inflammatory. He was not saying anything that was uh, uh, out of order or um, that would put his program or his university on the line. He was simply starting the conversation. Yeah, and the song was respectful. He feels strongly they should get you know, paid to play. It's something that the NCAA has heard a lot now. They do make an awful lot of money. And we give Nigel Hayes credit for speaking up and speaking his mind. Absolutely. And that's not the only thing he speaks up about. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, obviously. But he, he, I mean, he is unafraid to address anything that is on his mind, including the public unrest with law enforcement. All mics should be pointed in his direction every Big Ten college uh, media day. For the right reasons, we want Nigel Hayes to keep speaking out, keep speaking his mind, and keep talking intelligently and bringing the conversation to a better place and to a broader place for the general public. And the, the thing we'll talk about next time, everyone, is is the Isaiah Brock situation, and that may be the most important thing that he's spoken out about. Uh, sure, we we can totally lump that together. Um, but the other part, the other uh, player that we want to talk about, and we didn't even talk about that. Nigel Hayes is like the Big Ten uh, preseason player of the year. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. Oh, yeah, throw that in. We might want to throw that in as well. Um, and if we don't ignore, he's been to two Final Fours, one Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, 15 points a game, five, almost six rebounds a game, three assists a game, total player. He's going to put up big numbers, but he's also going to bring up big points. Reminds me a little bit of Evan Turner a few years ago. Yeah. That type of player. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a little bit bigger and possibly a little yeah. bit more skilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and the next place we have to go uh, has to be Bronson, uh, Bronson Conning. Uh, Conning totally sunk Xavier's ship last year with that corner jumper. We, we will reference that forever because it was an iconic shot. Iconic moment in the tournament for 2016. I just remember the announcer saying, Koenig, Koenig. I mean, that, 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 was a, that was a great shot. And Xavier got, I mean, that, because Xavier was ready to go. Xavier, that team we talked about last podcast. Yep. I feel like, we feel like they're on the verge of really making a Final Four here. They get by that game in that bracket that was open. That could have been their Final Four moment. Maybe they, they take UNC down to the wire and they're playing. Sure. Uh, maybe it's a Big East rematch in that final game with them and Villanova as opposed to UNC. Yeah. Um, uh, Bronson is also uh, one of the top point guards coming back this year. He's up for the Bob Cousy Award. Um, but the other part that we just wanted to bring up and touch on briefly here, and we'll dive deeper into it later, is um, he is Native American descent. Yeah. Yeah. And he spent his summer vacation going and speaking out on something he felt really strongly in. Awesome stuff. He went to South Dakota and stood on a protest with other Native Americans to protest uh, the building of a Dakota pipeline uh, that would have been built on Native lands uh, to disturb Native waters. Um, and went ahead. You know what else he did while yeah. he was there? Tell him. He, he ran a basketball clinic for some of the kids. And, and talk about fundamentally sound. My goodness. Um, I'm just going to say, carry on, Bronson. We really admire what you're trying to do and what you're trying to stand for. And we love what you and Nigel are representing for the student athlete in college basketball. We really, really applaud you and commend you and uh, hope to talk more about you and maybe even talk to you uh, later on the season. And we wish you nothing but the best this year. And we're totally Badger fans because of you two guys. Um, and you know who, who we didn't even bring up at all? Go ahead. Ethan, uh, Ethan Happ. Love Happ. Love Happ. 6'9", big bull down in the block. Uh, 
totally dominated huge tournament for him big numbers in the tournament i'm going to say right now ethan hap is the best third scoring option on a division one team in the united states of america that's how sure i am third option the best third option he can do it all it's a solid a solid group i'm not saying he's the most most athletic Mm -hmm. he is the best and most fundamentally sound third option on you he's a tremendous third option scoring for wisconsin do you think he would be the central focal point of other Big Ten offenses? No doubt. I mean, there's 14 teams in the conference. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, no doubt. I, Would I, he I, average 25 points a game at Rutgers? He's over 20. <laughs> okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that. And the last thing we'll bring up is we just want to uh, uh, reflect back upon uh, Coach Gar. And we just want to say, Coach Gar, we really, really appreciate you giving your student athletes the freedom to speak out on the things that they feel really strongly about, and then also guiding them to success on the on the hardwood as student athletes. And every coach does not come in under the circumstances that you came in, which weren't entirely very pretty, t- very tough, and wor- wasn't totally like the bed wasn't totally made for you there. Uh, but you went ahead and pulled those sheets tight, pulled that comforter up, and made it look beautiful. And then you went ahead and allowed everybody to cuddle up in there. And then while you're doing that, you went ahead and made the Sweet 16. Yeah. What, the, the Wisconsin, you know, remember the whole thing with Bo Ryan was there, left a, a few games into the season, uh, obviously did that so that guard would get the, the job. Correct. And, and that, so he's looking out for his guy. And that's what Wisconsin does. That just starts at the top with Ryan. Right. They were ranked 17th to start the year, had a tough loss to Western Illinois by two, and then they were not ranked again for the rest of the year. Yep. Went into the Big Ten tournament, mm-hmm. lost in the second round. Yep. Uh, they, they had a bye. Lost in the second round to Nebraska. So you're thinking that this isn't a Nebraska was a little desperate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and was looking to make some noise. Then they open up um, with the win against Pitt in the 7-10 game. And and everybody thought that was the game that Pitt would get off their schneid. Mm-hmm. And it totally didn't happen. Send Jamie Dix- I mean, Jamie T- send Jamie Dixon to TCU. Was like, yeah. Sure did. Um, not, an, uh, not a pretty game to watch. But still a win for Wisconsin. Yep. And then, oh, oh by the way, Hap led the team in scoring rebounds and assists that game. Just throwing that in there. Uh, and, the best uh, <laughs> third option in Division One college basketball. Yeah, that, yeah, Mike Randall, there you go. Tweet me if you want. It's fine. At Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. But anyway, last time it was Michael Cage. Okay, now it's Ethan Hap. Uh, and then they, they have the Koenig, Koenig win, uh, 66-63, and then the loss to Notre Dame. Tough game. They played Notre Dame tough in that game in the Sweet 16. And you knew that game was going to be a tough game uh, mm-hmm. uh, because of the way Wisconsin grinds it out and the way Bray is going to run his offense. It was a really great win for Notre Dame, but it was also well contested by Wisconsin. I, I don't know why they wouldn't be in the top 15 all year, and I don't know why you wouldn't be picking them maybe to go to the Final Four. Uh, if you know if their bracket breaks correctly, but we just love Wisconsin on the court, but we are impassionately in love with Wisconsin off the court. Yeah, Hayes, Caning, Hap. That's that's as good a threesome as anybody has. Last year tied for third in the Big Ten. Remember we had a bunch of teams log jam at twelve and six. They have the unbalanced schedule there, so it's not you know everybody doesn't play everybody. Right. But but they ended up twenty two and also overall. did that did that keep in line like their top four? Didn't they finish in the top four in the Big Ten for like eighteen zillion yeah. years in yeah. a row? Oh right? yeah, good point, excellent right. point. Right. Yeah. Right. So they're back uh, in the Big Ten. They ended up tied last year with Iowa, Purdue, and Maryland. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be in the mix and always tough to play in Wisconsin as well. So we wanted to start with them on the court, off the court. Love the Badgers. 
Uh, all right, so next place we'll head to. Uh, we mentioned these guys before when we were comparing a couple of teams, and we I think we compared um, uh, Purdue's Matt Painter to this particular coach. Uh, yeah. We went ahead and compared uh, uh, Painter to Tony Bennett at UVA. So we're going to go to UVA next down in Charlottesville. <laughs> Do I love Tony Bennett? I got to <laughs> tell you. Fundamentals. You know me. Fundamentals, wide body, base of support. Don't move the screens. Play good defense. We don't hand check. Ah, oh, do I love Tony Bennett? And I mean, the pack defense. You you wonder why more people don't implement it simply for its success. He's had nothing but success. He has taken UVA from the door, uh, one of the doormats of the ACC, to a top three finish the past number of years and conference champions. One of the most underrated and underappreciated coaches nationally in the United States of America. I'm just going to keep making these declarations every time I talk. <laughs> Mike Randall is on the proclamation well, when train. When do we get to Kansas? Oh, man. So you know that Tony's going to keep the game close. But more than anything, I think this year with UVA, what's going to pop out is – and again, we're going to reference the Bucks here because the Bucks now are home to uh, 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 Malcolm Brogdon – uh, we're going to find out how good he was. By the way, the Bucks going to be very good in the NBA this year. Don't sleep on the Buck coming we're, out of the East. I'm telling you right now. We all in LeBron, Cleveland. I know the Bucks are very underrated. A lot of great stuff going on with that Milwaukee team, uh, and they have an unconventional lineup. I uh, can't wait to see that unconventional lineup play conventionally together. Um, but Brogdon is with the Bucks now, and I think all we're going to see is how good he was because all he did was make tough shots in the second half. Make tough free throws in the second half at the free throw line to win games. Um, you know what it feels like to me? It feels a little bit like, uh, think of like back in the, uh, like I think they might have even been Pac-10 at this time. But think of like Ernie Kent and Luke Ridnauer. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Right? Like where, where that, that coach just had the trust with that lead guard at everything at all times. And, and like, you know. Both needed each other just as bad for the success that they were going to have. And Rittenauer had an underrated NBA career. I mean, he he had a he had a 10, 11, 12 year NBA career. Yeah. Uh, I bet Brogdon has the same thing. Professional, professional, professional basketball, basketball player. player. Very very well said. Very well said. Um, so both are underrated in some regard. And Luke had a much longer NBA career than most other people expected. Expected. Um, uh, and Ernie Kent is back in the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear Bill Walton announce that late night game for the Conference of Champions. I just can't wait. wait. Gus, you mean there's basketball that's played west of the Mississippi? Yes, folks, there is. I can't wait to continue our location agnostic uh, existence. And enjoy West Coast basketball. But back to UVA. Um, the first thing we're going to get to has to be their lead guard that they have this year. He is going to put up some big numbers. He's pretty nasty. We love him as a ball handler, London Parentes. He will do it all. So I'm going to make you, – you, you've made a couple of your prognostications here and made some big statements. I'm just going to say it out right now. This is uh, another screen-the-screener prognostication. London Parentes 
first team All American. Oh, that is a bold statement. We folks previewing. We're going to have a bold predictions in our next podcast. Yes. Um, gosh, can we revisit that one? I don't we, know if I agree with we, that. We, one. We, bold we, prediction. Let, let's please make a point to revisit that. London has to shoot in order to get that, doesn't he? I mean, we want him to shoot a little more. Right. Let, that's the whole point. I think he's going to have some more responsibilities this year. Thus, the shooting. London, thus, the scoring. What every basketball player wants to hear: shoot the ball, London. Please. So you heard it here first on screen. The screener. We really think he's going to be an All American. Forty-eight point eight percent from three point range london shoot the ball put it up kid put it up charlotteville is going to have a love affair with this guy all season long and it's not going to stop um and we think he's going to do big things and we think tony's going to put him in the right positions to be successful now the other guy is we've brought this up on the uh prior podcasts is the effect of the big school to big school or big program to big program transfer and uva is in that boat again this year um, not again, but we're going to bring it up again this year for them. They have Austin Nichols coming in from Memphis, who is a big-time player. Yeah, very you know, true. He is like the NCAA Paul Gasol. Is that fair? Yeah. Like blocks, points, rebounds, assists, yeah. shoots it, efficient, good defender, um, runs a great pick and roll. Like everything that you want from your big man, Austin Nichols can probably do. And I'm going to put him in the category with uh, Kenny Olinick, uh, uh, Kelly Olinick, um, with, uh, with Wiltshire, uh, with those Gonzaga big guys who redshirted. I think the redshirt season at Virginia under Tony Bennett is just going to like transform him into a completely different player. Yeah, that's, that is a, that's a great comparison. And, and listen, they have senior leadership. They have a great coach. They have some great players come in. I know Ty Jerome from New Rochelle, New York. I've heard a lot about him from my own prep. He's the real deal. Right. Um, this this team is a quality, quality team. Last year, uh, Virginia ended up second in the ACC. They were 29-8 overall, 13-5 and in conference. Um, Dor- and- doormat no longer. No, no. Doormat no longer. They were ranked all year. They opened at six. They went to four. Uh, ended the year at four. L- lived in the top ten. Had a great ACC championship game. It was a loss to UNC, but it was a great game. And of course, the story with Virginia, which was when we love Virginia here on the Screen the Screener podcast, um, blitzed Hampton. Really did not get that challenge from Butler, and just smashed Iowa State. And I will tell you, after that Iowa State game, I'm like, they're going to the Final Four because Michigan State was out, right? Because Middle Tennessee, right. it was Syracuse. And you figured if any team would not be rattled by the Syracuse zone, it would be Virginia. It would be Tony and, and his guys. And right. I, the, the 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 game script there was so clear. It was so Virginia was going to get up. Syracuse has to come out of the zone. They're going to backdoor him. Brogdon has 30. Bennett cuts it. We're in the Final Four. And Syracuse pulls the upset. And, and you felt that game was just going to be nip and tuck the whole entire way. And it totally was. Um, and I think I, – I don't know how you feel about this. But I feel like Virginia is just – their existence and their ambiance and their, their, their position as a, as a program is exactly how they play. So I feel like they've just taken these unbelievably slow, slothy steps closer and closer and closer to this to this final four berth that Tony needs to like not he doesn't need to validate his career but he needs to you know to to give the Virginia fans in Charlottesville what they what they want what they need what they what they've been yearning for but I feel like it just it's just taking a really long time I feel like they're right there 
They are so right there. That, that, Gus, that's a great point. Team identity, right? So you have to have your team identity. Virginia has built the identity. Firmly established. Under Bennett. They recruit to the identity. They play what they play. You bring in Austin Nichols, who's going to fit perfectly in the middle of that Absolutely mentality. perfectly. Um, that's a, such a good point. And that is who they are. And listen, Duke is going to be back this year. We'll get to Duke a little bit later. Yes. Um, but the, the window of Duke... Being in the situation where they have not won a regular season title in the ACC since 2010, mm. and they haven't won Duke the conference tournament since 2011, mm. that window, no one has taken a bigger advantage of that than, than Tony then, Bennett. Yeah, UVA. Virginia. UVA yeah. stepped right in and become a big player, and uh, used to be just UNC and Duke, and maybe a peripheral player, and now it's every year, it's UNC, it's Duke, and it's UVA. Include them in the conversation. You want to head to my guy with the high hair? Stop it. Love Tom Crean. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, we, we just... T- tie optional with Tom Crean, <laughs> by the way, also. So, you know, we love Crean. We love Indiana. We say go Hoosiers. What is better than those lollipop uh, 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 candy cane pants and the warm-ups? Nothing is better. Lo- lo- Nothing. Tom, we love you. We do. You, you, you're real. You are who you are. Nothing's better. So... Crean is coming off a Big Ten title, strong win over Kentucky in the tournament. Boy, Calipari still steaming oh, that seed. He is. We beat he, Texas A&M. And we're a four, and Texas A&M's a three. He Woo. is. Uh, that is definitely in Calipari's craw because he just sees Indiana as that program, and that that program took him down and took him out. Like, what is going to be Crean's next trick? Like, what is he up to next? I, I think I think he's trying to make Thomas Bryant a first-team All-American, right? I think that's the, that's the goal. Uh, that, that, that may be the goal. Um, I wonder, but it's a little unpredictable. But his name is almost perfect fit for our podcast. It's almost Crean the Screener? Crean the Screener. It could screen, be. Screen Crean. Tom, we don't want to have you on at some point. Uh, again, we, 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 we love the Hoosiers. We love what you're doing, uh, Kareen. We, we, we love the way that you're coaching. The well. We love the way that you, you, you bring the Harbaugh's in. Uh, we, everything that you're bringing to Bloomington, we how, love. How many texts did I annoy you last summer tracking Yogi Ferrell's <laughs> announcement that he was returning <laughs> to Indiana? It, by the way, that's the first guy he's going to miss because Yogi just mm. took care of that team. Guards win in the tournament. Yogi proved that last year. As as much as we you know as much as we went on the other side of um, uh, Kevin Garnett and those guys being like under seven foot, um, saying Yogi was six foot was really the one of the biggest lies in, in history. He was bare. He, he was not nowhere close. He was like a, remember NBA Jam when you used to go up there and hit that the C button and strip the guy. I mean that was Yogi in real life. He was super quick. Uh. His three pointer got better as as his years went on. Great, great college player. Uh, so they're, they're, they're missing Yogi, but let's talk about who they have back. Uh, the first guy that we have to talk about is coming off injury and is a highly, highly regarded athlete. Uh, and it almost seemed like they played a bit better after this particular individual got hurt, James Blackman Jr. Uh, he was hurt last year, but he put up some sick, crazy numbers. I mean, you remember we brought up these numbers with Nar from St. Mary's yeah, about yeah. his shooting percentages? Mm-hmm. T- t- take a listen to these. You ready? Fire away. 48% from the field. Which in and of itself is incredible. 46% from three. Ugh. 85 from the line. That's perfect. I mean, can't what, what, what else do you want from your two guard? Uh, nothing. I mean, who, who's shooting higher than 46%? And, 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 and oh, 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 and also he, he averaged over 15 points a game. Yeah. Like throw that into Um So those percentages put him as like one of the most accurate 
accurate shooters in the Big Ten and maybe just in the country. Yep. Like, you know, we brought up NAR for those, like, sick uh, uh, percentages that, uh, you know, Buddy approached last year. Like, maybe Blackman's the guy that does that this year. It could be. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, sports is weird. Why did the Hoosiers play better after he got hurt? Was it a karma? Was it vibe? Was it was it chemistry? We, we don't know here at Screen the Screener. Um, I don't think Kareen knows, and I'm sure that James Blackman doesn't know. But I'll tell you one thing. Blackman is going to be really fun to watch this year because I think he's going to have something to prove to the Big Ten. I think he's going to have something to prove to the doubters that say they played better without him. I think he's going to have something to prove to pretty much everybody out there, including the NBA eyes that are going to be watching him to see if he can play two guard in the NBA. Yeah, going to be a junior this year. Indiana got that Big Ten title, which was huge for Crane because there were some rumblings rumblings about his job. Uh, 27-8 and overall. Break, break, break out the ladder for Korean, right? Yeah, exactly. Cut, cut down the net. Darn right. Always, we don't have enough celebrations in life. That's, that was a good one. Celebrate. 15-3, uh, and three, uh, won the, the Big Ten by two games. Um, and then during the season, they start off well. They were ranked 15 to start. Uh, suffered the loss to Wake Forest at Maui and then UNLV in Maui. So they, Yeah, they had a tough road trip mm-hmm. early, but then came back. They came back and they ended up winning uh, 12 games in a row. Until they lost at Wisconsin, always tough to play in the call in, center. In, in, in OT. In OT, right. yep. Ended up re- doing nicely. Ended up 12th, ranked 12th end of the year. Big Ten tournament lost to Michigan, which was a little prelude for Michigan getting hot. Getting Correct. Tournament. Correct. Um, and then they nice went, job by Beeline. Went to the tournament to get the frisky 5-12 game, uh, right? And Chattanooga, the, uh, uh, the mocks. Yeah. Like, that was a trendy upset pick early. It was, but we should have known. You have a senior like Yogi. Right. He will single-handedly avoid that upset. Correct. Um, then the Kentucky game was incredible. Great game. Uh, and then UNC, they hung around for a while, but UNC just had more talent, and they played the same sort of style. Right. And um, when, when when you have uh, slightly better athletes, uh, how about this? Not even slightly better, but slightly more true athletes. That's like yeah. That's what's going to happen when you play that type of game. Yogi's last uh, game in college, no shame, uh, 25 points there against UNC. Uh, big, big numbers. Uh, two other guys that are coming back that we want to talk about, OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. The numbers don't tell the whole story on him. If you go ahead and bring up his box scores or his averages from last year, like they're not going to do justice to what no. type of player he is. Four points, two and a half rebounds, half assists. Yeah, you kind of need to see him on the court uh, to tell like what type of player and what type of impact player he is. Glue guy. So what I'm going to say, I think he's going to be better than Troy Williams was last year for them. Ooh, that's another bull. Keep track of these. Bring that one up. That that one I could agree with. Okay. I could see that. That's a good one. And, and Troy Williams put up big numbers. He, he was, uh, I, I don't know, second team all Big Ten last year. I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, average over double digits. But I think Anobi's going to put up similar numbers or maybe even more impressive numbers than Troy Williams. And no, and no sleeping on Troy Williams. Troy Williams drafted in the NBA. Yep. Uh, and last guy has to be the big guy. Uh, up for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award this year as best center, Yep, uh, Thomas Bryant. He loves to play. He loves to play at IU, and he loves to play down low and mix it up. Very true. This is a very, very rare breed of athlete, of basketball player in the NCAA that we have with Thomas Bryant. He does not mind putting his foot down there, backing in, spinning, going for an end one. That's what he's going for. Uh, he's going to put up giant numbers. There's going to be zero, count it here, zero sophomore slump with him. Absolutely none. He's going to take a huge step forward. And he last year, he shot almost 70% from the field. And, and, and 
that's just going to get better. Uh, so all your points are right on, Gus. When I saw Thomas Bryan initially beginning of the year, I was not high on him. Correct. I thought he was very Frankenstein, mm-hmm. very Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. I was traveling a lot on the spin move in the post. But he, first of all, he's got a high motor. Always going. Which is a – I don't want to hear people say, oh, he's a high motor guy. It's a skill to, to play that hard. He got very good on tra- – People get paid good money to have a high motor in the NBA. Yeah, every, absolutely. Good money. He trailed the break and he ended up he, – he trails the break. He hits that, that box. He pivots. He's got good post moves. 70% from the line. He really impressed me. I was wrong about Bryant. I see him taking the step this year as well. I agree with you. Um, I, I think the Big Ten is going to be pretty brutal up top, and Indiana is going to be right in that mix again this year. I mean, no doubt. I mean, we can throw in Michigan State. We can throw in Whiskey. We can throw – like, all of those teams are going to be tough. Co- Coach Izzo's decided to dip into the high recruits, right? Not that he didn't want them, but he ended up you know doing great without them. But Correct. Mr. Izzo's joined the potential one-and-done group, hasn't he? It, 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 was time to, it was time to do that, Izzo. We're very happy, Coach Izzo, that you jumped in. Um, all right, you ready, ready to go to the next spot? Keep moving. Okay, so we're going to go uh, – we mentioned this uh, this conference before so we're going to go to the conference of champions and we're going to go to the pac 12 love it let's go hit sean miller and arizona we love sean miller he always is keeping his team active and moving do, do you think he is the best coach right now to not have reached a final four he may be and the thing with him is i feel his regular seasons are great um, wasn't it the Wisconsin game two years ago mm. with the Elite Eight game? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he never has a big bench. I feel like when we watch the Wildcats, he plays six or seven. If he just has a little more depth and gets a little more impact from some of the bench guys, I think they're a no-brainer to make the Final Four. I, I think he may have that this year. We'll go over some of the guys that are going to uh, impact that bench or lack of bench that Mike Randall uh, mentioned earlier. Um they're always well coached. They're just a little short on the offensive side of the ball, right? You always feel like that 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 one jumper clangs off. You always feel like that one set gets taken out uh, and 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 the shot clock runs out. You feel like that that kind of happens to them in that big spot. Um, and a team and a coach that can win conference titles and even conference tourney titles. Um, but we feel like after a solid fifteen years of like elite eights and some solid, it's it. It's it's time. Let's let's roll it out. Yeah, it's it's Miller's eighth year this year. Yeah. Uh, Twenty five and nine last year. Twelve and six in, in the uh, Pac twelve uh, type of third. Uh, so, how about we go ahead and talk about some of the players he has back and talk about that depth that may come into play. The first guy we have to bring up was a no show at Pac twelve media day, and there was no comment from Coach Miller. Was Alonzo Trier? Yeah, that I, I, I'm gonna. We're gonna hope, right, that that's not a big deal. There's really nothing on the internet about it, right? Uh, that would be beyond devastating. Absolutely. Was, um, we certainly hope he's okay. Number one, but I, it, I, something, nothing's come out. So maybe it right. was just an internal issue that needs to be handled. Correct. So, uh, and we mentioned this before on screen the screener. Screen the screener holds a couple of things very dearly. One of those things is hope. So we just hope that Alonzo Trier finds his way to the court. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to make a comparison now for those that are in the NFL, I mean, you know, we had the whole issue with Ezekiel Elliott visiting the uh, place he should not have visited. Sure, okay, sure. Uh, but he seems to have recovered and gotten on the show. So Very what, nicely. Whatever happened with Trier, I have no idea what it is. Let's yeah. just hope he's back on the straight and narrow because he's a vital cog of this team. Absolutely. So I'm kind of hoping that he takes the reins off of this guy. Please take the reins off of this guy. He might be that good. 
I love him as a college basketball player. Do you want to? I know Jalen Rose always does like the comps uh, of who this player is like uh, during the draft, which is like possibly my favorite segment of the NBA draft that ESPN does coverage wise. So Jalen always does his comps. And like, here's my comp for uh, Alonzo Trier. How about Latrell Sprewell? Ooh. Oh, if he could score like Latrell, I think that that's that's the move to take his next game to the levels yeah. to put that scoring component. Yeah, in. I mean, it, it, all, all he needs to do is just uh, Sean just needs to, you know, Miller just needs to take the reins off of him. And the next two guys that we're going to talk about are kind of like their little backcourt monster. Um, and Mike Randall has said on multiple occasions that like guards are going to win in March. Guards are going to win in the tournament, and they have two seasoned veteran guards that are coming back that have been through the wars made that elite eight missed that last final push um against arizona uh made, you know got knocked out uh last year against uh, wichita state early um so we got uh keenan allen and pjc these guys are the glue guys this year for sean miller they've been through the battles they've knocked uh they've been knocked out early they are pack 12 t- tested tough and those guys are going to be in the backcourt. He can trust those guys with the ball. He can trust those guys with a critical possession. I bet he even trusts those two guys with a shot here and there to win the game. But that's who Sean Miller is. Remember he used to star at those Eastern Invitational basketball camps. He would do all those ball, Eastern. Those, those ball drills, the hard work ethic, star at pit, fundamentally sound, great free throw shooter. The great teams are an extension of the coach, so it doesn't surprise me that they, they have great guards, and they will. It just makes that loss in the tournament last year to Wichita State. Yeah. I had them going in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. I had them beating Kansas. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that a little bit. That's what made it so – that was such a non – such a surprising, non-typical Arizona guard winning the tournament but losing the first round of Wichita. But Wichita was favored in that game, and we knew it from the start. Correct. Fishy line central right there. And then also you're dealing with Van Vliet and Baker. And if we're going to talk guards, like what two better guards are we going to talk about than those two guys? It's two consecutive second rounds. Remember they were favored over Kansas the year before Uh in in the 2-7 game? Again. (laughs) And they they did it again, and then they made another uh, Sweet 16. I love Van Vliet. The password in Wichita State is job security. Uh, so we need to look at a couple other guys because we're talking about the depth of Arizona. Uh, first is the big guy in the middle, Chance Comanche. six yeah. eleven guy. He's super lean, but he does have some skills. And he was stuck behind um, big man Zeus and Ristic last year. And I bet he finds a moment to capture the attention uh, of the Wildcat faithful in the second half of the year, but I bet Miller brings him along very, very slowly. But he does have skill, and I bet they use him in the right way the second half of the season. Replacing Tarzuski. Big shoes to fill. Zeus. Love Zeus, man. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we need to take a look at a couple of other guys. Kobe Simmons is a huge score for them. We talked about how uh, Coach Izzo got his big score with his one-and-done guy. This could be another one for Sean Miller. Yep. 6'6 point guard. Kind of a little bit do everything. The ball's going to be in his hands, but he's not going to have the majority of the ball handling duties. That's going to fall on Allen and Carter. um, Or Cartwright, I'm sorry. Uh, So he's going to be able to have a little bit of freedom and not have so much responsibility. 
I think Kobe Simmons is going to do big things for them and play. Like, can't you just see him playing like a bigger Aaron Gore, Aaron Gordon role this year? Yeah, he a little he, bit more offensively. Miller but is such a good recruiter. He uh, is. His class is a is a top five class. He's got three guys in the top twenty. I, that and 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 Simmons may lead the bunch. Uh, and then we also have to talk about Ray Smith. Ray Smith is coming back off of injury from last year. He is now healthy. He could be that Aaron Gordon guy because he's a little bit taller, 6'8", 6'9", and I bet he's going to be super athletic. Uh, I bet he's going to be on the court as much for his defense as much as his offense, and Sean Miller loves those guys that he can put out there that he knows is going to defend. That could be Miller's bench guy. That could be one of the guys coming off the bench. I mean, we we, we just listed six or seven guys that he can use, and we didn't even get to some of the other freshmen. He just needs depth. I feel him. Every time when I go to pick them in the tournament, I'm like, well, if they get a foul trouble, they're in trouble. This might be the year where they don't have trouble with foul trouble. Miller does a great job. Great, great program. Um, Last year, like I said, they were strong. Um, Were ranked the whole year, got as high as, as seven. Uh, lived in the top 25. Lived in the top 25. Tough overtime loss in the Pac-12 tournament to Oregon. Uh, no shame there. That, that was going to be a battle. You knew that going in. Yeah. Um, Oregon, yeah. obviously, is with with Brooks. We'll get to them in a little bit. Like They were going to be tough. Yeah, that was uh, a tough game because then they smoked or, uh, Utah in the, in the final. Yeah, so that was yeah. the big one there. And then and then the Wichita State game, which folks, I don't know, Gus, what was it, like 25 to 6 or something? Oh, it, was, uh, it, it, looked, it looked ugly early, and it stayed that way throughout. We were playing darts by the time that game got to the 10-minute mark <laughs> of the first half. Um, and again, uh, I think we both had Arizona going I further. Like those are your – Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we like what they have on the table this year. We're really rooting for Sean Miller. We love him as a coach, and we know that his teams are going to play hard, and now we feel like that he has a little talent to go with that, that toughness. And that uh, I think you used this term last time. Like They're going to they're gonna, like, rub up the elbow grease. Yeah, elbow yeah. grease, so they're not afraid to mix it up. So, all right, folks, we, we're at our top five. Here we go. All right, all right. ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first place that we'll go for the top five on the Screen to Screener podcast has to be the Jayhawks and Kansas. Uh, uh, William William Self's fifteenth year down in Fog Allen. He was thirty three and five last year. Fifteen and three in the Big Twelve. I, I mean, I, I have how been, many more titles is he going to win in the Big Twelve? I know. I've been an antagonist to Coach Self forever. He, he's one of the best in in the country. It, it sustained success. Um, they started at number five. They got all the way to number one. Then lost that game in West Virginia. But another outstanding season for Bill Self. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more Kansas as the year goes on. But I think uh, we just wanted to talk about a couple of people at uh, a couple of players at Kansas and talk about like their again the sustained success is ridiculous. Uh, Mike Randall's brought this up a number of times. Kansas is the model of sustained success. The amount of Big Twelve titles that they're winning, and guess what? They're going to be in the running to win it again this year. They can win another one this year. Crazy. So the first guy that we have to bring up, uh, we brought it up with a little bit with uh, uh, Arizona. We brought it up a little bit with Izzo. Is um, he has another kind of one and done guy? Uh, Josh Jackson yep. is big time, sick, big time, grande time. He seems like here, here's what I think. I think Josh Jackson is Wiggins, except. More athletic laterally. Mm. Wiggins was a great straight line guy, 
I mean, if we were going to race baseline to baseline, there's probably no, not many people that were going to beat him with the ball. He was fast with the ball. He was fast without the ball. And straight line, he was going to take it to the hole. Josh Jackson has a has a little shimmy to him. He has a little shake to him. Yeah. He's got he's got a little versatility to him. And guess what else he can do? He can shoot it a little bit too. Um, but you know what Self needs to do? He needs to make sure that Josh gets the ball because he has two guards that he is in love with that are coming back in the backcourt. And not to be critical, Gus, but I think that that's a fair knock on self, whether it's Absolutely. Ben McLemore, yep. this let the, Chuck Diallo. let the game come to me, guys. Get you Run plays to get him the ball. I, you know Wayne Selden Jr., came down on offense, and sat in that corner on way too many sets. Then mm-hmm. he has the dunk, his father, the clock, or his uncle, maybe his uncle. I, I, the uh, cl- I think it was his uncle, uncle with the clock. The clock, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. You, so, Bill, we know sustained success, but come up with some plays to get Jackson the ball. Um, the guys that are going to have to get them the ball, he self is in great shape in the backcourt. Um, you couldn't ask for two tougher kids coming back to play in the backcourt with him. You got Devontae Graham, who is going to have the greenest of green lights from a coach who really loves structure. Um, he is going to give him a little bit of freedom. Um, Devontae Graham. Guy V. Lewis-esque, if you will. A little, little Guy V. Lewis-esque, if you will, and I do. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll partake. <laughs> um, and then Frank Mason. Frank Mason will control the entire Big 12. He will not just control Kansas. He will control the entire Big 12. If they win another Big 12 title, which is absolutely insane, it will be because Frank Mason is a boss. Here's a here's a prediction for me. Ready? Oh, wait. Do we have a prognostication? Uh, you got prognostication. Prognostication. Dad, All right. Criticize, you know me. Frank Mason's going to be first team All-American this year. Whoa! Yeah, wait, I, wait, wait. So we need to go back and revisit this. We might have to have like a Parentis versus Mason uh, situation. Listen, I, I, I and I, London Parentis, love you too. Let me tell you something, Gus. Frank Mason is getting first team All-American. Mike Randall! Parentis. Okay, I, I mean, Frank Mason! London, London Parentis will take 20 shots the whole season, okay? And he should shoot more because he's that good. Correct. But Mason can be a go-to guy this year. He's a returning uh, point guard for them senior year uh, last year was was 13 points four and a half rebounds four and a half assists big numbers Frank Mason will be first team All-American wow you can take that to the bank holy smokes we'll, okay. do, we'll do some sort of bet on that I don't we, know. yeah we, we, we need we'll to revisit up, we'll come that. up with something oh, wow London, I, I was not prepared London, for that prognostication yeah, yeah next uh, London Prentice Frank Mason wow okay Okay. and then if, if Self has a bad year you can mock me because now I'm on board now that's going to happen okay um, he, you know but d- to their credit People thought that Kansas wasn't going to continue the streak. They had that run in January where they lost three out of five Yeah, games. it was like on, off, on, off. And barely beat TCU, by the way, at home, 70-63. Um, and then they just— Wait, 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 wait. Do we really need to go re- re- revisit that TCU game from a few years ago? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, remember him blowing true. up his players? Yes, it's true. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and then they went on a run. They finished the regular season with 11 straight wins— um, including a, a, a win at home against Iowa State when they were number one. They were number one C going into the tournament. Big 12 tournament, blitz Kansas State. 
Nice win over Baylor. Scott Drew slows you down a little bit, but they got through it. Right. And then West Virginia in the championship game. Right. And after af- That was after the Buddy game. Is that correct? Yeah, Where that, good, that shot did not count? Game, very good. Excellent. Okay, yeah, very, very good. Great yeah. tra- Big 12 tournament's outstanding. Yeah, unbelievable. Austin P. Okay, next. Connecticut. Gutty team. Kept it close a little bit. Maryland. It was a popular upset pick there. Right, but really when, when push came to shove, what happened? Uh, Perry Ellis had 27 points. Exactly. And then, uh, and then Villanova. In a game that could have went either way, um, they ran to the buzzsaw. Do you? So we we brought this up with 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 Xavier earlier in their bracket. Like, it is totally possible that Kansas could have been that team instead of Villanova making that run. Yes, could have been. Yes, yeah. I remember we. I even I think we said to each other about halfway through the tournament, this this could be Kansas this year. It could, and we were wrong. But that's how I mean. That's how good they were last year, and. I mean, we have them in the top five this year, so why why couldn't that be again them again this year, uh, making a run to the to the final game? And he wins a second. I don't think he's wiping his brow like he did against Memphis. Sorry, I had to get that in. Moving on. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's go back out to the West Coast for the next one. You guys, re- you ready to roll out there? Yeah, and I'll tell you right now. To me, yeah. I'm going to say it. No offense to our top two teams. This is my number one team in the country. Previously. I love this team too. Um, we can have a love affair with uh, with them a little bit later. Um, but I love Oregon. I, I, there's a lot of components about Oregon that I really love coming to this into the season. Um, but man, oh man, is this team going to be exciting? Dylan Brooks is going to have like that mini Real anti deal. Real deal. Uh, Coach K chip on his shoulder. Like the whole season. Do you remember that little like blow up they had at the, uh, in their game last year during the tournament? Yep. He is. I, I just have a feeling that's gonna like that's that's gonna be a mini motivator for motivator for him all season once he gets healthy. Yeah, motivate motivator for him because he's going to be the 2016-2017 national player of the year. Whoa! I think getting that is up. a getting warm. Mike up. Randall prognostication. Jalen Brooks. Get go, Dylan Brooks, Player of the Year. Go, go to the trophy store, start typing it in. They will be the number one seed in the tournament. He will be the Player of the Year. I love these prognostications. This is awesome. Well done, Mike. Like Rand- London Parentis drops thirty in the first game, and I'm sitting here going, "I'm in a lot of trouble." Well, go ahead. Uh, so I think we can just say right now, Pac-12, consider yourself on alert. You should be ready for this team. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Brooks should feel like he. You're saying player of the year. Do you know what I was thinking coming into this? Go ahead. He's going to have a buddy year. He's yeah. going to be like Buddy last year. Yeah. Like like you 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 had a little taste of it the year before. He had a little success. Um, I think he's going to be like Buddy with a little dash of Scotty Reynolds. I'm trying to, to distract Gus here by holding up Dylan Brooks's picture while he's talking about it. <laughs> I love Sorry. Dylan Brooks. Um, so we think he's going to have like – Dramatics. We think he's going to put a big splash up, and uh, you know what else I think? You know, what, you know what else he reminds me of a lot. Go ahead, Rip Hamilton. Yeah, very good. How about that very for a comp? Good. Is that an okay comp? Mid-range jumper, the lost art of the mid-range jumper. Uh, so, uh, I, there's not much else I'm going to say about Dylan Brooks that that Mike Randall hasn't said because if you're putting him as your player of the year, that's how much we think of him. I may leave right now and start making the trophy. That's how sure I am. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Let's not ignore the rest of their team, though, right? Let's let's go to the big man. This guy was one of my favorite players to watch last year uh, in the whole entire NCAA because he was so unique, he was so unorthodox, and he was so unpredictable, and he just totally came out of nowhere. And you were just like, wait, who is this guy? Wait, how tall is he? Wait, what does he do? Um, 
Chris Boucher was the biggest mismatch. You loved him. I you loved, loved him. him yeah, in the NCAA last year. The dude is 6'10". He will, he will, you know, he'll knock a layup into row 25 if you take it to him, but then he'll shoot it from 25 feet on the offensive end and sink that in your face. And I think he's just going to do that again this year over and over and over again. He's going to average two or three blocks. He's going to average two or three threes. And he's going to put up big numbers and just nobody's going to know what to do with him uh, on the offensive end or the defensive end. He's going to be one of the anchors of that defense. Excellent player. Excellent all-around player. Uh, uh, the next guy that we really like from them, uh, from from the Ducks, uh, has to be Tyler Dorsey. Can talk about I'll tell you. I can talk about him for 10 minutes. You you can give all the, the great breakdown. I'm going to tell you what Dorsey has. I, I, I love that you're going to jump in on player. D- 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 Dorsey has – he has it. He sure does. He's got that. I'll take the big shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not busting the zone. I'm going to split the point top of the key, get there. I'm going to get the loose ball. Oh, you're doubling Dylan. Oh, by the way, here's a three. He's got a great all-around game, and he's got a little attitude to him, and that's why I love him. So here's the other part about Tyler Dorsey that I don't think we, we really discussed in at length. He's better than Mellow Tremble. He's what people want Mellow Tremble to be. Tyler Dorsey's that player. He's got it. Yeah. I did, He's I, that player. You see flashes of that with Mellow. He had the three at the end of the game. Absolutely. The game, you know, the deep one. Where, but Dorsey's got a little bit of an edge. And he's even that more dangerous because he's on the team with the 2016-2017 player of the year. Wow. Um, he can do everything you want as a point guard. He can stroke it. There is going to be absolutely zero sophomore slump, just like Thomas Bryan. Zero sophomore slump for Tyler Dorsey due to the attention that people are going to give to Brooks and to Boucher. Like, because those two guys are going to get so much attention, he's going, he, he's going to have space to operate in. And he's, I mean, he's not like a, you know, tremendous super athlete like Westbrook, but he right. is a great athlete at the point guard position. And, uh, and, and what I love about Oregon is the point guard. And listen, Benson doesn't score a lot. Oh, but, but tr- he, tr- talk about glue. Yeah, but he doesn't want to score. No. So, so Benson's going to bring the ball up the floor, and he sets the table. A lot of times these teams, like you know Maryland with Mello, the point guard ends up being the guy who has to score. I think it works to their advantage. Absolutely. Because they, go, they want to run. Benson's got the ball. He's you're going to have to defend the wings, defend the secondary break. Like where where are you going to where are you going to where are you going to spread out to? What are you going to cover on the spread on the break? There is nothing that spells success more for a team than everyone knowing their role. And Benson plays it perfectly. This team is loaded. I love Oregon. Last guy we bring up after Benson. Love that you brought up Benson by the way. Um, is Nova transfer Dylan Innes. Yep. And you know what? He's going to know his role, too. You know what his role is? Come in and blow it up off the bench. Vinny Johnson would be proud. Oh, He he was hurt last year, um, but he's going to play a huge role for them off the bench. And we talked about this with Arizona with the depth situation. If he can come in and be that main guy off the bench, I mean, how crucial, how important is Innes going to be to this team's success this year? But Vital, you, you did a great job covering all the players. Ready for this? True or false, Oregon was not ranked at the beginning of last year. I, you know what? I'm, I'm cheating because I, I, I'm, I'm a college basketball nerd. They were not ranked. Crazy. So they ended up beating. They were, they were not ranked. They were not ranked. And, 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 they, and they were, what, a number one seed? Yep. And then they lost the yeah. two games in December. Uh, uh, UNLV, uh, one of them? Uh, UNLV and then at Boise State. Okay, sure. it happens. Listen, upsets happen. And, and, and can we just talk about that for five seconds? I know we're going to get off mm-hmm. Oregon. We're going to bring this up when we get to this time of the year. 
I'm just going to call that the vacation break loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Every that. team is going to have that vacation break loss where, where, where all the students are on vacation, yeah. no classes are in session, everybody's off of their schedule a little bit. Every big team is going to have one of those losses. They had those two? They, the perception in most of America because of the East Coast buys we talked about with Chip Reeves is that the West Coast is soft. It is just not true. No. They, they lost at Oregon State in January. That was another vacation game, like you said. Mm-hmm. They ended up losing at Colorado. So, uh, altitude. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, January 23rd, Oregon is not ranked. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> Bang, they win in Arizona. Bang, so, they win. So, so almost February, they're not ranked. That's correct. Unbelievable. Then they get hot, and you start saying, hey, they're pretty good. Then they lose at Cal and at Stanford back-to-back. Everyone cools on them. But after that point, they took off. They that, that, double, that double road game. Game mm-hmm. situation in the Pac-12 yeah. is always a killer because you're always going on the road for those two games. Folks, the Pac-12 is good. Yeah. Enough of this. Yeah. Enough of this garbage. The Pac-12 and, is good. And and every Pac-12 coach will tell you like that double away game situation is always a killer. How about the how about the Oregon team that we see twelfth a couple of years ago and then right making a run of the uh-huh. Elite Eight? Enough. Uh-huh. The Pac-12 is good. Enough. People pay attention. You may not be able to stay up late, but you know Gus loves Bill Walton. It's a great conference. It's a great team. Conference of champions. Uh, right, very quickly, when we get to our last two. Yeah. Pac-12 tournament beat Washington, beat Arizona overtime, blitzed Utah, NCAA tournament. Holy Cross, enough. St. Joe's, close game. Bembry and then the crew yeah. kept it close. Played tough. Um, Martelli. Big sort of pass into the torch game to me. I mean, I, we thought Oregon was going to beat Duke. Mm-hmm. But to see him do it was kind of like, yeah, we've arrived. And then they ran into Buddy. It was a close game. But they ran into Buddy in Oklahoma, lost in the Elite Eight. No shame there. But I'm telling you, this team is back. Uh, They're going to make the Final Four. E- either way with that Oklahoma-Oregon uh, game last year, like either one of those teams deserved to be in the Final yeah, Four. You so it. you, you could have went either way there and been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or, oh, yeah, that makes sense. All right, two to go, my friend. Uh, I think we have. I think. I think we're gonna. Uh, I'm, oh, we're three gonna, to go. I'm sorry. Three we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna give you a bonus one. We're gonna go three to sorry. go. Uh, so first, uh, uh, first of the final three places we'll go on screen to screen or podcast has to be our defending champs. Got to go to Nova. We know Arch is gone. And I think he played pretty well for the Spurs Summer League team. Yeah. Um, I think he he, he played decently. Archie Diakno was a great, great college player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he played well for the Spurs team and Becky Hammond. Um, but they got – they have Chris Jenkins back. They have Brunson back. And uh, they have some Jay Wright player development. Cause Jen- that's, Jenkins? Yeah. Where have you heard that name before? They go length of the court with Archie Diakno. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yes. Great call. Love that call. It's like, again, it's like he's looking into the crystal ball and playing fortune teller. I love that call. Um, so Arch and uh, Ochefu are gone, but three starters, three starters are going to come back. You got Jenkins, you got Hart, and you got Brunson. Um, the last defending champ to return three starters, Mike Randall, was? Tell it to me. It's a good question. Florida. And they went back and to they back. they went back to back. Yeah. Noah, but they returned all five. Noah. Harford. Harford. Uh, uh, I'll look it up. Who the it, 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 the was, two the two the two guards? The Humphrey, yeah, Humphrey, what? Humphrey, the little point guard, and uh, they got the Brewer and Brewer Corey yeah. Brewer. Thank yeah. you, yeah, Brewer. We got there. Um, so here's the troubling part about Nova. Um, we have brought up like the one and done, the high profile guy um, that other programs have brought in. Uh, so Omari Spellman who's like a top 25 freshman coming in, would you say? Um, oh, yeah. He's 
unfortunately, ruled ineligible. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the NCAA ruling people ineligible or eligible um, later on in the next podcast for sure because we definitely have uh, problems or issues – uh, misgivings. Uh, we disagree with it on, on many extents. On many, many levels. On many levels. Um, but he's going to redshirt and he'll still have four years of eligibility. He was supposed to slide in and take some of the minutes from Ochefu or maybe even Arch. Um, but now they're going to have to re- rely on fl- freshmen or go small ball. They might even play Jenkins at the five some, yeah, yeah. which is a little crazy. Um, and uh, Jay Wright will develop his players. And, oh, we... I can't believe we forgot this. We almost walked right over this. Guess what they have? They have a transfer too. Yep. They have a Fordham transfer who is the A-10 freshman of the year. No one's talking about it. Very underrated. He will play big minutes. Uh, Eric Paschal, uh, he'll play big minutes in the backcourt. I bet they play that three-guard alignment that he loves to play all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets big minutes there. Um, so with their three starters back and uh, the freshman of the year in the A-10, uh, we think that Nova is going to be pretty loaded again. We think that they're going to be a force to reckon with. And uh, I bet Brunson makes a big jump this year. Yeah. Do you think I, he's going to – like I, I feel like he's that type of kid that's going to make that big jump in his sophomore year. Agreed. I, I think they're a high floor team, obviously. They're, they're coming back. They have the experience. Defending champions. Great guard play. Great term high floor. Yeah. I, I, I don't see them – I wouldn't be surprised, Gus, if they lost before the final four. Mm. I, I Just a gut feeling on my part. But this team is going to be solid. They are not getting upset early. So, you know, even Duke had a well, McNeese State a couple of years ago with, with sure. Quinn. That's not going to happen to this team because they are solid in the backcourt. Um, Spellman hurts a lot. Uh, would have probably changed my outlook if, if he was if he was eligible. But uh, Big East regular season champs last year, 16-2, and two, uh, lost in the finals to Seton Hall. And then, of course, went on the incredible run. And, um, again, I've said this before, I think teams were off of them because of that um, 23 point loss uh, on the Pearl Harbor Classic on the on the the, the aircraft carrier there to yeah, Oklahoma pre- uh, early season early season and then also I think people were a little uh, dismayed because of the you know hiccups that they had early on in the tournament the past four or five years it's very true yeah. um, but they didn't leave anything to chance Asheville wasn't close Iowa seven two seven game wasn't close oh, that 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 game just had blowout Miami was close like first half and then they pulled away Kansas was a great game big win. Uh, Oklahoma, I mean, you could have started dinner two, two minutes in. Uh, and then just the great, gritty comeback against North Carolina. The class game. You recapped it really nicely in the last podcast uh, of sen- of giving each shot, like, the the prominence mm-hmm. and and uh, and the legendary status that it should have. Hats off to him. Great year. Jay Wright and Villanova, they're going to be good again. Uh, last two teams, ready to go? Fire away. All right. We're not saying that these two teams are going to make the Final Four or that uh, they're going to be one and two, but these are the last two teams that we came down to, and these are the, th- the predictable uh, characters. So the first place we'll go uh, for our Final Two has to be Kentucky. The t- Kentucky experienced another mass exodus. But when Cal has a mass exodus of players, that means he just reloads. Don't you feel like Cal's already scouting for two years from now? I feel like his act, he he's so he's such a good recruiter, great recruiter. He doesn't just reload the next year. I feel like he's got a plan right now for two years from now. Every yeah. year. Yeah. And it doesn't even, matter. Memphis, UMass, wherever he was. And then f- think about this. Like let's say a couple of the guys decide to stay, like the Harrison guys decide to do, and then he's he's already loaded up. And so then he goes ahead and runs his uh you know, in and out system uh with I'm gonna play five guys at a time. And and he's right up there with Coach K and getting people to accept their roles and to come in and to not we've never heard a plain time. 
time complaint. Example from, A, from, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, exactly. You never heard a playing time complaint coming from them. They had the five rotation. Uh, he does a great job. He really does. Carl Anthony Towns barely averaged ten points a game. Mm-hmm. Barely. Yeah. And and if you know, with uh, uh, if we take a poll of the GMs, I bet Carl Anthony Towns uh, will be would be one of the top three or four players that they want to start their team with this year. I have people saying he's gonna be first team All NBA this year. I don't. I don't think that's totally crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to the guys that he does have, uh, as opposed to Cat. Uh, f- uh, so you know what that means? He's gonna have another four or five draft picks this year. That's what it's, that's what's gonna happen. That's it. Um, first guy will go is a Jersey guy, Isaiah Briscoe. He's actually coming back, so he's the biggest name that's coming back, and he did everything right last year except shoot it. He could not shoot it straight. Struggled big time in that Indiana game, by the way. But I bet he put up about like twelve thousand shots yeah. this summer. Um, and you know what he reminds a screen the screener of? He reminds Screen the Screener of a smaller Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Mm, very good comparison. Um, does all the dirty work, hustles, is going to buy into the system, and is going to be that glue guy, that anchor guy uh, that Calipari needs. And and what happened to Michael Kidd Gilchrist and that team? That's a team that won a title. You're darn right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next guy we'll go that's coming back is uh, Derek Willis. Uh, he's obviously the less than Kyle Wilcher, right? Right. That's course. that's exactly yeah, what he is, yeah. right? Poor man's Kyle He's a bit Wilcher. smaller. Yeah. He's a little bit of a lesser shooter. Mm-hmm. He's probably a little bit slower if that's possible. Yeah. He's just a bit lesser than Wilcher. Yep. Um, uh, then we'll get to his good guys coming in. Uh, first guy we'll talk about, if you didn't see their, their, their white and blue game, yeah. um, De'Aaron Fox... Yeah, it, p- please take a look. Uh, Whether it's on ESPN or Google, yeah. um, tying into our interview from pl- Houston, pl- Texas. Pl- please, please take a look. Um, he might be—he's a little bit—he might be slightly better than Briscoe. Guy V would have had his hooks in, in <laughs> Mr. Fox. Uh, and doesn't it always seem the one thing that comes short with Cal is the shooting? Yes. It always seems like he has trouble yes. getting the shooters. I mean, the Harrison shot it really well, but you feel like everybody. He has great athletes. He has he has unbelievable defenders. He's got great rebounders, great energy guys. But the one thing he doesn't quite nail all the time is that shooter. Yeah, those guards are not the point guards are not always great shooters. Brandon Knight was not a great shooter. Rose was sporadic. They don't have to be because they can get to the basket. Correct. Reckless abandon. Correct. Uh, um, now, if we're going to talk shooters, you want to talk Malik Monk? Yes, dude. Uh can shoot it, and he can attack the rim. Lights out. Um, we're calling it right now on Screen the Screener. We are going to start the Dwayne Wade comparisons right now. Wow. Let's just start it right now. Bold predictions today. Go but- ahead and start the Dwayne Wade comparisons with Malik Monk. Um, we, and, must be, we must be refreshed and replenished with these predictions. And, huh? and, and, and by the way, he, he's a better shooter than Dwayne Wade. Oof. Oh. <laughs> let, all right. Let, and then last I'll guy. I'll keep it quiet on that one. Go ahead. <laughs> let, from three, uh, the last guy we go to is simply Bam, Bam Adebayo. It's I may need a jersey. It seems like he I mean, might pull a cat. You know, Carl Anthony Towns. Go easy on the folks early, and then blow it up and dunk on everybody in the SEC sp- tournament. Six ten. You think Sports Center is already trying to think of those highlights? Yeah, I, I, they're, they're going to incorporate Stu, his name always. Stu Scott, rest in peace. Uh, Stu, you would have loved doing the highlight on Bam. You, you would have incorporated his name appropriately every single time. Uh, um, so, uh, guys in the SEC, just please beware down low of BAM. Please beware. Here, here's the Vitae. Calipari, eighth year in Kentucky. He's 27-9, 13-5 in the SEC, tied for first place. 
Uh, they were number one. They dropped in the polls. That's why people cooled on them all the way to 23, but they won the SEC tournament, 82-77 in overtime over Texas A&M, right? Uh, but they got that low seed. Cal wasn't happy about it. He was vocal. They drew number five Indiana, and they lost by six in the Sweet Six. Yeah, yeah. We, we referenced that uh, particular bracket on uh, Screen the Screener uh, uh, a few podcasts back. Yeah. Uh, Anybody that was the four seed in that particular bracket would have had trouble, and Kentucky did too. Yep. Uh, last place we go. Let, 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 let's just go to Dukeville. Oh, you mean the place where they've made five consecutive Final Fours between 1988 and 1992? As much as Houston was great, which was three, and one of the greatest teams ever, Duke made five NCAA Final Fours in a row. Coach Krzyzewski, five titles, number one. And oh, by the way, Gus, I think he has a good recruiting class. Great recruiting class, and let's not forget—he just won the gold medal. Oh yeah! Can we, can, we, can, we not, can we not overlook that, please? Mi- boy, does Mickey, a great job. I got to say, Coach Kate, Mickey's got to be pretty understanding because you are never home. I mean, he's, <laughs> you're winning. I mean, you're doing winning, but geez, it's important work. We agree, uh, and we're so thankful that you're doing the work that you're doing. A lot of uh, Netflix for Mickey. I mean, he, he, I mean, she must be going with him, but I mean, please. Uh, so, <laughs> so we we got we got Grayson Allen back. We got Emil Jefferson back. We got Matt Jones back from a Sweet 16 team uh, with huge recruits on the way in. Love Matt Jones. And Coach K, you know what? I think he's going to get another one before he call it, calls it quits. It might be with this group. Yeah, one, one, for, the, one for the other hand. Um, you know what the problem is, though? It, already it's injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't even played a game, and they have major league injuries to their two biggest recruits coming in. Um, huge knee problem with Harry Giles. Harry Giles is a big guy, 6'10". Uh, he's a, I don't know, I thought he was like a bigger, better, more mobile Okafor. Yes. But he's already banged up with a knee injury and is going to be out a couple of months. Um, obviously, they're hoping he can get healed up and pull like a Carl uh, Kyle Schwarber like that the uh, from the Cubs and come back from this knee injury really quickly. Who, by the way, does not get cheated on any swings, uh, <laughs> Mr. He, Schwarber. He gets his money's worth. A L- uh, little intersport discussion here. On yeah, I think it's a fair comparison. Uh, Kyle Schwarber came back in less than six months from an, uh, a tearing up his knee. Schwarber should go into one of those chopping the tree down contests, oh, right? I, I mean, love, love he, would, he would have ripped through that thing. <laughs> love Schwarber. Uh, so, how about him and, and Jose Batista? Oh, the Schwarber wouldn't like Batista flipping the bat. No, he flipped he, the axe. That would be the end of Mr. Batista. Good um, <laughs> so we, we hope, Gi- again, screen the screener holds many things dearly. One of those things is hope, and we're hoping Harry Giles finds health and helps Duke to success later on this season. Um, and we hope they get to see what he uh, is able to do on the court in a Blue Devil uniform. Wow. Um, next guy, another injury already, which is a little crazy, is Jason Tatum. He uh, think of uh, Ingram from last year, six eight swing guy. Um, seems like a little Ingram redux with maybe a few more lbs and slightly a better handle. Even though Ingram's handle was pretty tight, um, I bet you're going to fall in love with his mid range game. Um, but he's out with a little bit of a foot injury. Yeah, kind of not not as long as Giles. So we're hoping that he gets back by season start. Rare for Coach K to have freshmen that are injuries. Had some injuries, definitely, but definitely. not to freshmen typically. Correct. Um, and two of the other guys that we're going to talk about have definitely had injuries, which is Emil Jefferson and Matt Jones. Those guys are your glue guys. So what the, what those injuries are going to do is just open up time for guys that he can trust, Emil Jefferson and Matt Jones. Um, so it's not like they're totally going to be uh, in the lurch without these guys uh, to play on the court because he's going to put very trusted, seasoned 
Sweet 16, uh, uh, national championship game tested athletes out there to help uh, to help fill the void of Giles and Tatum. Yeah, and I don't want to sell Coach K short. I mean, we talked about Calipari getting everybody to buy in. I mean, Coach K, of course, is the equal to Calipari. In doing that, he's had the mixes of players. You know, will Grayson Allen be as much of a scoring threat as he was last year? I don't know. But not sure with these guys. But K will take care of it. Um, I don't see how Duke is not right now our, our, our top team. I think Oregon will be at the end of the year. I mm-hmm. do. Um, but they they are loaded. Uh, and then the last couple of guys we need to just mention. Got to throw in Frank Jackson. Um, MVP of the McDonald's All-American all, all game. Yep. Little point guard. He might be the only true point guard on their roster. So he's going to see the floor a lot. Especially because uh, who did you bring up that transferred earlier? Uh, Thornton transferred? Yeah, uh, Derek Thornton transferred to USC. Yeah, yeah. so th- he may be the only point guard on the roster. And then, uh, again, another guy that's going to find some time with these injuries is going to be Chase Jeter. Cage, uh, Co- uh, Coach K broke him in last year, last season a little bit, and I bet he contributes more than you might imagine. And uh, we didn't even bring up which could be the, I don't know, ACC player of the year, Grayson Allen. Yeah. Do you have uh, any any thoughts on Grayson Allen? Yeah, I just don't want the trips. Enough of the trips are accidents, right? You do yeah. it once, it's 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 an accident. You do it more than once, it's not an accident. Grayson, you don't need to do that. You're uh, 21 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 46, 42, and 83 numbers there speak for themselves. Um, but listen, he's good. Um, he's going to get shots. He's going to be open on the wing. He attacks the best. He's got good lift. Um, Very good lift. Yeah, he's an issue. I mean, listen, he's definitely a preseason first-team All-American. I, I, I so, can't say he's not. Uh, I, I agree with you, and I'm going to bring up a comparison that maybe nobody else has yet. So this, I, I think this is a good way to kind of wrap up our preview. Those numbers that you just mentioned, 20-plus points, you know, four boards, four dimes, a steal, good percentages. You know who that is? It's Allen Iverson. Wow. It's Allen Iverson. Maybe not the crossover Allen has. No, the numbers, the numbers. are Allen Iverson. Yeah. He's going to put up those types of numbers and have that type of impact on the game that if, Allen Iverson had. If he can recreate those numbers or even improve the rebounds and assists, let's say he drops to 18 points per game, right? Sure. Something like that. Um, they're going to be super good. And and I, I if you look at Krzyzewski's recruits, I mean, this there's so many things we can say. We can spend a whole podcast on Krzyzewski. Um, look at where his recruits are from, Gus. He's got the newcomers this year. Texas, Virginia, North Carolina, Utah, another Texas, Missouri, and Australia. He's scoured. He's scoured. He, yeah. He's loaded. He, he reloads. And he does a great job. He wants one more, what, too. What, what was the biggest hang-up for them last year? Depth. Depth. Not a hang-up this They year. played six guys and played those guys to death every game. Guess what? Once those guys, once their frosh get healthy, once Tatum and once uh, Giles get healthy, depth is not going to be a problem for them. And there's just enough distance between their last title that they are now, I would say, not just hungry, very hungry. Uh, he's entering his 37th season. He's had five titles, 11 Final Fours, he, um, 11 Finals appearances, excuse me, 16 Final Fours. Like I said, the five in a row, 88 to 92. Um, again, I, I said this before, they haven't won a regular season ACC title since uh, 2010. They haven't won the tournament since 2011. Last year, twenty-five and eleven, they were fifth in the ACC, which is a little crazy, fifth. little, little, little uh, deceiving. Frisky game against Yale, 
Okay, mm-hmm. after the big win against UNC Wilmington, a little mm-hmm. frisky, lost to Oregon. Um, they started out as number five. They ended up dropping out of the top 25. They lost four out of five games. People forget that in the middle of the year. Correct. At Clemson, the back-to-back home games to ND and Syracuse, and then one at NC State before finally losing at Miami. Uh, they lost Ingram, Plumley, and Thornton. But, folks, we feel right now that Duke has earned the right to be that number one team. We, we feel like they should be mentioned among the best teams in the country they need to be in the conversation along with Kentucky, along with your Oregon, along with the defending champs, Villanova, um, and even with uh, the Jayhawks and, and their unbelievable uh, uh, Big 12 streak. Um, so, Mike Randall, I think we have given the people enough information and what they want. What do you think? I think so. I, I hope you enjoyed it, folks. We, we have cleared – this officially to me marks the – we're about to start the season. I mean, this is it. It's 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 go time. We took you through our top thirty-two, uh, and we're we're we hope you enjoy this. We hope you you sub- make sure that you rate us on iTunes. You subscribe to us on iTunes. We love producing it, and we're looking forward to really getting into it this year. And, of course, we'd be remiss without some thank yous. Here. We'd love to throw out our thank yous. First big thank you. Technology Department for Screen the Screener. Technology. Thank you, Technology Department. We appreciate you setting up, broadcasting, and helping us get this podcast into your ears wherever you may be consuming it. Uh, Next thank you we want to say is to our intro and outro music. We love Bell Jar. If you like what you're hearing on your intro and outro music, please check them out on iTunes, B-E-L-J-A-R. There's a ton of things in the catalog to check out, so dive deep and and give them a further listen. And, uh, of course, we want to thank our uh, guests from earlier in the podcast. Yeah, Chip Reeves, director of the 30 for 35 Slam and Jam. Thank you so much for coming on. Folks, follow on Twitter. The the podcast is S the S, S S-T-H-E-S podcast. And I'm Fantasy Warrior Mike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike on Twitter. Bell Jar, I hear it already. It's coming in. Gus, great job. Hey, and uh, Mike Randall, before we get out of here, does Frank Mason like to screen? Or does Frank Mason, on his way to a first-team All-American year, like to screen the screener? Hey, folks, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Screen the Screener. See you next week.